competitive environments can change, but the type of competitor you are, I think, really matters to always compete um, and to kind of have that staple of knowing who you are and what kind of competitor you want to be um, in those different arenas is what's going to kind of be that difference maker. Welcome to Playmakers. I'm your host, Paul Epstein, 15-year NFL and NBA business exec, widely known as the 49ers Y coach, now your coach. Join me on this journey from why to purpose to impact. The key to it all, taking action. Prepare to get tactical as our guests share their daily playbook where purpose no longer has to be a distant North Star. It can become a 365 way of life. Let's go. Playmakers, it's about that time to welcome Jake Olson into the conversation. Jake is a proud graduate of the University of Southern California, famously known as the first completely blind college football player. He has used this experience to inspire and motivate others by speaking and authoring two books while also creating a nonprofit to help visually impaired children and support cancer research. His story has been featured on ESPN, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, Fox, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, The LA Times, Sports Illustrated, The Washington Post, and more. His day job, you ask? Jake is an entrepreneur serving as co-founder and president of Engage, an online platform that digitizes the process of booking talent like Jake himself. I hope you're as fired up for the conversation as I am. Buckle up and let's welcome Jake Olson into the Playmakers podcast. Jake, welcome to Playmakers. How are we doing? Thanks, Paul. Thank you for having me, man. Oh, I'm so fired up, man. And one Trojan to another. Here's what we're going to do. And I realize that by starting this way, we're going to attract a large percentage of the world and we're going to repel a massive part of it as well because we're going to toss some Trojan football. And so with that, man, we just got Lincoln Riley on board. It is the welcoming of a new era. Just wanted to just a little bit of a fanboy question to kick us off, man. How are you feeling about our Trojans now and going forward? No, man, uh, it's, it's, it's very exciting stuff. I was trying to kind of temper expectations just given this, you know, year one. And usually yeah. no matter how good the coach is, sometimes you got to get your guys in there and got your system in there and everything. It takes a while, um, you know, and then all these moves started happening, transfer portals, all this stuff started happening. I'm like, man, it's, it's really hard to start <laughs> to keep tempering <laughs> expectations. Like I'm, I'm all for it, man. I'm all for 12 and 0 and everything else. Um, so I'm excited. You know, I think uh, one of the bigger things that needed to be done and fixed with whoever we hired was, um, just keeping SoCal boys here at home. And uh, we, yes. we've seen that already happen. So, I, I mean, a huge problem has already been fixed. Um, you know, hopefully you can keep it that way. But I mean, that's just, that's really promising just for the the long-term outlook of, of Trojan football is that, you know, we can stop losing the SoCal kids to um, the South and, and to wherever else they want to go. For sure. And if I could take a trip down memory lane, there's a guy named Pete Carroll that I know you have a little bit of a history with. And he was, ironically, the coach of SC when I was there as an undergrad. And that was the one thing that he said, he's just said, protect your home turf, you know, just yep. defend it from the standpoint of some of the best talent in the world happens to yes. be within an hour drive of our campus. And so I, I think that's awesome. So let's double click on coaching because I brought up Lincoln Riley, who's now our coach and going forward, Pete Carroll. And I know you played for some others during your time at SC. I'd love to hear from you some of the top lessons, some of the top insights, some of the ways that you are better because of the influence of whether it's a P. Carroll or somebody else, just 
walk us through, pick any coach you want or several, some of the top life lessons that you've taken from that position. Yeah. Well, you know, coach Carroll was very influential, you know, as a 12 year old, he bringing me in to kind of be the honorary member of that team that year in 09. Um, you know, his, his kind of philosophy very, you know, well, expressed and documented win forever and always compete um you know those things meant a lot to me then just given the nature of what was going on in my life of you know becoming blind and that was something that you know talk about always compete like you know you you it, it, you're gonna have to compete differently and that it's gonna look different and feel different and all that other things but that doesn't mean that you can't compete anymore um and you know i took mm. that kind of lesson in that time and um obviously how to figure out what that looked like. Um, but definitely, you know, that was a huge mindset to take just again with the change, uh, the massive change that occurred. Um, and then, you know, just from a actual player standpoint up there, um, you know, Helton was, was, uh, you know, I, I know people, you know, always admit this, well, you know, you can't have a, just a coach because he's a good guy, but I mean, he really was a good guy. Um, and, he, he just had a lot of, of lessons of just how to be a man. You know, he really did care about that, mm. how to, how to be honest and, and, and full of integrity. Um, you know, how to have a, a good work ethic and really take, um, you know, your craft seriously. Um, but also just, you know, kind of how to have, have fun and, and surround yourself with family, you know, our, our, um, our motto kind of under him with faith, faith, family football. Um, and, and that yeah. really, you know, was expressed through, um, how he acted as a man and how he expected us to act. And, um, so yeah, I, I think that really is, uh, was, was, was really promising, you know, to be surrounded by in college where, you know, uh, for all, for better, for worse, you know, that's definitely probably not what, what, uh, a, a lot of other parts of college teach you, you know, with, with <laughs> faith, family, whatever, <laughs> whatever else you want to put there. So 1 million percent. And what I hear you talk about coach, uh, Clay Helton, and a lot of folks call them gentlemen, Clay, because of the fact of, like you said, tremendous values. Like I just think about life and values. And again, I, I think now he's no longer the coach because, in certain professions there you're measured by in this case mm -hmm. wins and losses and that's one conversation but i don't think anybody in this world could deny the type of man he is the type of character he has the way that he impressed that and inspired that in others like the latin definition of inspire is to breathe life into and i have no doubt that he's inspired and will continue to inspire countless lives going back to coach carroll though because a lot of folks listening in that maybe aren't as tuned into the SC football scene as you and I, you hear the phrase of win forever. Okay. That's half of it. And always compete. Always compete is something that I know Pete is massive on, whether at SC Seahawks, prior life, future life for you, Jake, how do you view that lens of competition? Like what and where are you competing on in life? Yeah. Well, you know, I think, uh, to be, to be competing, you have to be a competitor. And I think that's where kind of, for me, at least it's, it's worth taking a look at yourself, you know, of, 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 you know, forget about what competition you're in, you know, yeah. that's going to be, that's going to be fluid. Right. But you can always kind of keep, um, a pretty good, you know, that the, the standard of what kind of competitor you are can be a little more concrete. And, and that's, you know, someone who's willing to, you know, adapt, who can view themselves and take criticism, who can kind of discern the change that they need to, to be better, um, who has kind of, uh, surrounds themselves with people who encourage them and who, you know, believe in them and are willing to, to go the extra mile with them when they, you know, want to, want to do something crazy. Um, you know, having a self-belief, um, you know, kind of all these things we can talk about make a great competitor, you know, and, to kind of 
have that no matter what you're going through, right? If, you know, you lose someone in life or, you know, relationships aren't good or you have a disability or, you know, whatever, whatever happens to be able to kind of have those, those, uh, attributes, um, in your life kind of figured out to be the best competitor you are. Then you can start worrying about, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm at this job. So now I'm competing in this environment or I'm playing this sport. So now I'm competing in this environment or, you know, I'm, um, uh, you know, starting this new relationship. Now I'm competing in this environment and like all those, 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 yeah competitive environments can change, but the type of competitor you are, I think really matters to always compete um, and to kind of have that staple of knowing who you are and what kind of competitor you want to be um, in those different arenas is what's going to kind of be that difference maker. For sure. For sure. So let me ask you this on behalf of playmakers that are listening in our entire community, you said in order to compete, you have to be a competitor. So for somebody right now that's listening in and maybe for whatever reason, they don't consider themselves a competitor, but they want to, man. They want to get in that fight. They want to get in the arena. Is there one small tactical thing that like when you, I know you speak all over the world, like, like if I was in the audience and during Q&A, I said, I want to compete, Jake, but I don't know where to start. Is there one small thing that somebody can do today in order to become more of a competitor via mindset? Yeah, um, I'd say the first thing to do is you know, like know where your value comes from, because um, you know, no one, literally no one has, you know, gone out to compete, you know, obviously Tom Brady, one of the most winning quarterbacks and, you know, professional athletes, but he, he has lost, you know, so you're going to lose, you're going to fail at certain times. So what you really want to do before you really start competing is just know where your value comes from, um, and figuring mm. that out and, and not letting frustration, um, you know, str struggles, losses, people's opinions, um, determine your value. You can take those things as, as learning opportunities. You can take what people say about you as, as criticism. And again, then discern the change, what's worth changing, what's worth not, but that doesn't affect your value. And that's where I, you know, I kind of talk about, I call it the winner within, but you know, it's, it's, it really is just knowing, Hey, I am good enough. I'm capable enough. I'm smart enough to figure this out, to do what I want to yeah. do. And that may look different the way you have to do it. You know, I, you know, like someone else might be smarter. Sure. But that doesn't mean you're not smart enough. Someone else might be more capable, but that doesn't mean you're not capable. So like mm. to really kind of value yourself of knowing I can do this. And then again, figuring out how you want to do it. Um, you know, for me, it's like, okay, uh, I wanted to play golf blind, right? Like that's, a, that's a crazy thing. Um, yeah, and, yeah. and I started playing a couple of years later after, you know, losing my eyesight, I actually went to high school and started playing in you know high school competitive golf and it was a struggle and I had to do it differently. And, you know, there was other people out there that were obviously better than me because I'm two years into not being able to see, and I'm still trying to play golf. And there's a lot of times where it's like, okay, am I just a bad golfer? Like I'm, I'm my, is my value just, you know, I suck at golf and I'm just, uh, I'm a failure and I'm a bad golfer. It was easy to tell myself that because I wasn't winning. I wasn't succeeding necessarily all the time at golf, but no, I knew I was a good golfer it's just, these things were happening. And so my value system though, it told me that I I'm capable of being a good golfer. I can be a good golfer. I am a good golfer. Let's just work through the disappointment and the struggles here to, to, to end up where we want to be. And, you know, that's what we did. So, um, mm. to answer your, I guess, question shortly, is just really figure out your value, surround yourself with people who value you that way. Um, and then from there on, there, I mean, there's really not a lot you, you have to be scared of when you're, you're chasing your dreams and goals. Yeah. Oh gosh. So many places to go. That was such a beautiful answer there. Let me ask you this super quick one for you. Do you love golf? 
I do. I, I, I do okay. love golf. So Jake, I'm asking you this for a reason. And it's because of, so when I speak on stages, I always talk about aligning your head, heart, and hands. And the equation that I've formulated is head plus heart equals hands. In other words, hands are your action and head is the mindset, heart is the heart set. So I always tell people to tap into their mindset and heart set. Those are the two checks in order to find out, is it a green light, proceed with action, yellow light, head or heart's not on board, head or heart or head and heart are not on board. That's a red light. And the reason I share this with you is your mindset clearly was a green light to say, hey, even if I'm not the greatest golfer, I still want to go pursue that. But I asked you the question because I didn't know the answer. If you loved golf, because that's your heart. And so my theory is when your mind says go and your heart has a deeper passion for whatever it is that you're competing mm -hmm. for and attacking, then that is your green light to proceed with action. So when I hear your story, even blind, attacking the competition of becoming the best possible golfer, I believe that hearing your story, it's because you're heading your heart. We're on board. So your hands yeah. followed. Well, no, I mean, you nailed it. I mean, that's, that's the two things that, you know, I see with, with sports, you know, and it obviously goes beyond that, but just with sports related, you know, why, why golf, why football, Jake is so, because I love those two sports and, and those are the sports mm -hmm. I wanted to and continue to play and, and figure out a way to play. But yeah, no, I mean, pe people ask me all the time, you know, um, especially families who, you know, the kids are going blind or, you know, even individuals themselves are going blind, you know, Hey, I'm worried. What's this, what's life going to look like? You know, what's, what's everything going to be? And it's like, yeah, I, I, I was there too, man. It can be hectic. It can be worrisome with the uncertainty, but knowing again, just knowing the fact that, Hey, this kid that you're, you're going to raise, like, he's going to like grow up to love something and he's going to be passionate about something and just be there for him, willing to help him get to that place where he can do that thing. And, mm. and that's, and that's really like, that, that's why I tell parents, you know, it's like this, this kid's going to be fine. You know, he's, he's, he's going to find his passion and love for something and just be there for him and find a way to do it, you know? And then from there, like it, he's going to live a happy life, <laughs> you know? Um, so <laughs> yeah, like, love that. So, that uh, so that's, that's kind of to your point, you know, that's, that's definitely the thing I kind of go to first too. It's like, you know, Hey, what, what do you, what do you love doing? What's your passion? What's your passion? What, what are you passionate about? And, and then, you know, from there, let's, let's kind of figure a way to do it. Mm, so good. All right. So we've been navigating a lot more of your current mindset and the way that you're competing this day and going forward. But now let's go back because you've mentioned a handful of times, and I've even mentioned it as well about you being blind. So take us back to a little bit more for those playmakers that may not be as familiar with your backstory and the journey that you've been on. So before sports even entered your life, just take us back to childhood when the earliest signs of holy smokes, something could be changing. And then that moment and that earlier part, the earlier chapters of your journey, walk us through that. Yeah. So at eight months old, before I could you know, even remember what was going on. Um, <laughs> my, my mom had been taking me to the doctors cause she thought something was up in my eyes. A couple of doctor visits in, um, they did find, uh, what was called retinoblastoma by, uh, bilateral retinoblastoma so tumors in both the retinas, um, of my eyes. And it's a pretty aggressive cancer. Um, and it's, you know, the, the main concern is that that cancer can easily move from the retina through the optic nerve into the brain. And then from there, um, mm. you know, the rest of the body. So it's, it's really, that's, that's the main goal is to just not let this thing spread as, as it is for any cancer, but especially right. once so close to, to reaching the brain. Um, and so 
when they found it, um, they found it late in my left eye. So really almost immediately, uh, they had to remove my left eye and they were, we were actually, they were scared that it had already spread. It was so big. Very fortunately it hadn't, but there, there wasn't any, it was like, we couldn't mess around with it, you know, any, any longer. They just had to remove the eye. My right eye, however, the cancer was about only half as bad. So there was some time to, to develop a treatment plan and start treating the cancer. And that's what we did. And, and very fortunately it went away. A couple of years went by, um, cancer stayed away, which was great. And then an annual checkup, right. When it was around five, the cancer came back. So again, you know, we had to develop a treatment plan, go through the treatment, and uh, cancer went away, which was great. And then this time it was only about a year or so that went by, went for, for checkup, cancer's back. And this just kind of started a vicious cycle where, you know, it was, it was boundless cancer, cancer would go away, a couple of years would go by, came back. So finally, at the age of 12 years old, um, so I was like pretty much my entire childhood with my right eye. At the age of 12 years old, uh, unfortunately, that fall of 2009, cancer came back for its eighth time. And... Mm. Unfortunately, the doctors at this point just said, hey, you have pretty much maxed out on chemo. You've maxed out on radiation. Um, you know, you'll start developing other things if we, if we go down those paths again. Also, obviously, the cancer isn't responding to that as, as strongly as we needed to. And, you know, there's, there's really no other treatment options we see that would effectively cure this cancer. So all you're running is, is us messing around with it again until it spreads and takes your life. So once again, we're met with kind of that understanding of, okay, how do we get rid of the cancer? Well, we got to take out the eye again. Um, but you know, obviously this was my remaining eye, my only eye I had. So that obviously meant, you know, permanent blindness, you know, for the rest of your yeah. life. So that, um, that, you know, that was a, obviously a tough decision. I mean, not that it really was a decision, but you know, obviously it, it just, it was, it was very difficult and tough to make, especially after fighting for 12 years. So that's kind of the the situation we found ourselves in that, that fall of 2009. Wow. So talk to us about just getting that news from the doctor, like what, what's going through your mind in that moment. And then what was, what did it lead to? Cause I, I can't even imagine just getting that type of what feels like a verdict in life. And I know you look at it very differently, but walk us through that current mindset and then what followed. Yeah. I mean, it was, I, I didn't really believe it at first just because, you know, again, we've been battling this thing for 12 years. And obviously I knew what the, the cancer could take my eye, it took my left eye. So, you know, I'm, I'm growing up with one eye. I understand what this cancer can do. But at the same time, you know, we also took the left eye because we found it late. And the fact we're always going and getting checked up and, you know, treating this, this thing that I, I just never thought my right eye was really ever in jeopardy of being lost, if that made sense. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, every time this cancer come back, okay, let's just, let's just keep treating it. Let's keep fighting it. And I guess, you know, as a 12 year old, you're not thinking like, Hey, eventually I guess some of the stuff's going to run out. Um, but once, once that was, that was on the off the table, <clears throat> you know, it just, um, it was surreal and I was beyond frustrated. You know, I, like I said, I just went through a lot of hell as a child to, to try to beat this cancer. So it's like, okay, you know, all those, all those crazy times of going through chemo and radiation and all the other weird treatments and all that stuff. It's just, mm -hmm. I guess for nothing, you know, I, that's, that's kind of how it felt. And then, you know, um, for not immediately, but soon after that, that news hit me, you know, I started thinking, okay, 
what is, what do I still have to do in life? Well, I'm 12 years old. I have a lot to do in life. I got to go to high school and college and get married and all these things that I would love to be able to see during. Right. And to think of, you know, all these things I wouldn't, wouldn't be able to see, um, you know, it made me incredibly sad. And, and that was, you know, torturous for the next month and a half until I had that surgery. And then, you know, just the fear and the uncertainty of knowing, I, how to live my life with eyesight. You know, my eyesight wasn't perfect, but I still used eyesight to do everything as anyone with eyesight does. And to, to think that I'm a seventh grader, you know, um, straight A student playing sports, hanging out with friends that, that I mean, every, literally every aspect is going to change, you know, like I'm a seventh grader relearning how to read and write, you know, you can't, can't, mm. can't use a pen and paper anymore. You know, I'm a seventh grader learning how to to walk again, pretty much, you know, you can't just walk around. You got to know how to orient yourself and get around with a cane. And, you know, here you are seventh grader where, you know, the, the, and it might sound silly, but I mean, like just the video games you like to play with your friends, like, well, all of a sudden those become kind of not very accessible and like, not as fun. Sure. You know, so Like, so just like every single aspect, something changed, you know? And, and it was just, I knew it was going to be a huge learning curve and it was, um, but talking about the, you know, for that, month and a half after the surgery just all those thoughts were just overwhelming with with kind of concern and like what was my life gonna actually look like hi playmakers it's about that time to discover your why it only takes five minutes and on the other side you will better understand who you are how you think and why you do what you do here's how you get the assessment text the word why to 310 564 7857. Again, open up a text and send the word Y to 310 564 7857. For coaching after, DM me. For now, let's get back to the show. Yeah. So putting ourselves in as, as much as we can in your shoes, in that scenario, and just imagining the battles from the neck up the battles within your eyes and just all there's physical aspects, there's mental aspects, there's emotional aspects, there's so much. So we know that there's a happy ending to the story, but there's a ton that happens in between. So now walk us through from that current space where you left us into sports and your breakthrough, because most folks that are blind are not connecting the dots there to say, I'm going to be an athlete. I'm going to go attack this thing. I'm going to go compete. I'm going to become, and and you did it at such a high level, but there was a fight in between that. So talk to us about that journey from where you left us into eventually, man, you're taking a snap at USC brother. Like that's awesome. But fill in the gaps. Yeah. Well, you know, so again, have the surgery and, you know, there's so many things that, like I said, are, are on the plate of trying to learn and, and reassess and everything. And so sports wasn't necessarily at the forefront of, of yeah. trying to figure out, but to an extent, you know, golf was something we enjoyed. And we talked to some other, you know, fortunately there were some other playing golfers that had done in the past where it's just like, okay, this is a game you can play without sight. You know, I, you know, I don't know how well you can play without sight, but it's at least something you can do. So it's like at first just taking inventory of stuff you could still do, you know? And, um, in my opinion, you know, there's a lot more you can do than, than even what, you know, most people think, but I, at least just like, Hey, what have people done? What can we still do? And so golf was almost immediately. And obviously that had its own struggles and craziness to it. But, um, from a standpoint of, of football, 
you know, I was in seventh grade. Um, so eighth grade next year was on, you know, flag football team. Um, I was a center, so I could kind of snap the ball back with one hand. And I, I kind of learned just, you know, how to snap a ball back with one hand and, you know, kind of a shotgun or pistol formation, as it, you know, and just block the guy in front of me kind of thing. It was, I mean, it was literally eight on eight flag football at the easiest level. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything crazy. So it was, it was something that I even did in my eighth grade year where I snapped the ball back and just kind of like fall forward and block the person in front of me. <laughs> um, but when I, when yeah. I so I, I did do it. I just was something like, Hey, why, why not? When I went into high school, I went to Orange Lutheran. So, you know, we play modern day, we play St. John Bosco, we play survive, we play what are, are pro- probably in the toughest division in all the country, if not literally top, you know, three. Um, and it was tackle football at the highest level. Uh, and so I just really figured, Hey, they're, they're, I'm not gonna be able to snap, you know, as a center anymore. Um, just cause you know, in tackle football center has a little more responsibilities and calling out protections and mm-hmm, everything mm-hmm. else, you know, and, and, and I knew there, I wasn't going to be any other kind of real position there. So I just didn't, I didn't play football and my freshman and sophomore year went by and like I had friends on the team and, you know, I love football so much. And I was, you know, in the stands on Friday nights, I'm just like, man, like it just, it, I would be awesome just if I could be involved somehow. And kind of came to that realization my sophomore year. I'm like, dude, like, Jake, what are you doing here? Like to our point uh, earlier, it's like, you love football and here you are like letting blindness stop you from enjoying this game you love. And I just figured, Hey, I have to find a way to, to at least participate or be involved. I'm not going to look back on high school, regretting not playing ball. So talking to my friends, they said, well, there's this long snapping position. And um, I say kind of that, honestly, that idea of, of being able to long snap is because of golf. And because, you know, I could consistently hit a golf ball through muscle memory of a swing that I could also consistently snap a ball through muscle memory of snapping. And, um, you know, it, it really was kind of just, okay, you, you have to snap and that's really it. Yep. That's, that's it. So mm. went out, tried out, didn't know what I was doing was because of that. I was terrible. I had again, no idea what I was doing long snapping. So this, uh, coach of mine, uh, saw that and was like, Hey, if you really want to learn a long snap, we got to work like every day this summer to teach you. And I don't even know where this is going to go. I have no promises. You're ever going to play in a game, but like, you really want to learn how to long snap. Like I'll, at least I'll meet you there and, and we can figure out maybe if, if you can long snap. And I started showing progress throughout the summer and we worked literally every single day together. Um, God bless his soul. And, and sure enough, I showed back up the fall camp my junior year and uh, was the best long snapper on the team pretty much. And so um, fought for my position in fall camp and earned the starting job on varsity. Um, and that was, that was that, you know, I played, played two years of, of varsity football, my junior, senior seasons. And that was like the most fun I've ever had in life, man. I'm, I mean, like it's, it really was, was the best decision I've ever made. I mean, like, I, I just couldn't even imagine, not just because obviously of everything that happened at USC, but I just, I'd be kicking myself so hard right now. If I, if I'm looking back on high school, like, well, man, I guess I could have played, you know, like, no, I, I yeah. had to play. Oh, gosh. Man, that's so cool, dude. So cool. So inspiring. Just everything you just said and and hearing the details of the journey are awesome. I'm so stoked that all playmakers got to have that backstage pass, if you will. And so I want to ask you a question that I'm not sure you get asked a lot, but it's just going through my mind right now because on the surface, Jake, because we hear you're oozing positivity and optimism. You're not saying life is easy. You're not saying life is fair. You're just saying, man, we figured it out. It wasn't just you. You surrounded yourself with a tight village 
and and a, and a tribe to give you that strength when you needed it most. And since then, you've been paying it forward to so many other people. But what I want to ask you is this: when you think of somebody with a condition such as being blind, your mind, maybe not you, but the world might think of what are the disadvantages of being blind? So what can I not do because I'm blind? I want to ask you the opposite. What are the advantages of being blind? No, it's a great question. Um, yeah, yeah. We uh, kind of take it on a, a humor note at first year. Uh, we, we started my mom and my family kind of started calling them blessings of being blind at first, which is like, I remember one time we're taking like a flight um, to somewhere and I was probably like 14 years old. So not too long after losing my eyesight. And like, we're literally in, an, in, in the plane and to the, across the aisle in our row, um, some ladies like changing her baby, like on the freaking uh, tray table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and like, it's just like, Oh man. I mean, my mom was just like, Oh, Jake, like you're, you just be lucky. Like you're lucky you can't see this right now. Like blessings of being blind. So you know, there's there's definitely some <laughs> things that you'd rather not see in life. You know, um, and just, sure. just be able to not have that 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 mental memory in your head of what you what you saw. But um, you know, I think one of the coolest things, at least that I uh, I appreciate, um, is you know a lot, a lot of people actually this question's kind of disappeared to an extent. But a lot of people at first always ask me like, hey, do you picture what people look like? And um, mm. And I said, you know, I, I honestly thought I, I would, I, I like going blind. I'm like, yeah, I know. I probably want to look, you know, know what people look like. Um, and definitely, you know, if, if I think I met a cute girl, I'm definitely going to ask those questions, but, um, <laughs> but uh, to be honest with you, man, like there's, there is not a lot of times I ask what someone looks like. I just, it just doesn't cross my mind. Mm. I guess I just don't care about it. And what's mm -hmm. cool is that like, once you come up and meet me, like, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm somewhat judging you on your voice to an extent, like, but like beyond that, like there's no prejudgment, you know, there's, there's I, like, mm. I'm preaching every conversation, approaching every conversation. Like if, if some guy's walking me up with a Mohawk and like tatted up with like piercings everywhere or like some, you know, like dude in a suit, like I'm not like every time, like that person can say hi to me. And there's no like prejudgment of like what this person does in life or is, or like, all I'm going to judge yeah. you by is like, what comes out of your mouth? You know, how, how, how are you greeting people? What are you saying? You know, are you speaking highly people or like what, 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 just whatever you talk about, you know, and that's obviously comes from the heart. So, um, I just think there's a purity there of like actually just judging people on, on who they are, um, uh, which I think, you know, um, is something that we, we strive for in society, but you know, haven't quite got there yet. But, um, so I think that's like a, a real cool thing that, um, I, I wish most people had. This is kind of a fun question, but just to tap into your world for a second, because I'm super fascinated by what you just said. So I'm almost even imagining of an exerciser where I would go out and just say, as an example, if my eyes were closed, like, what would I be listening for? What would I be, no pun intended, but looking for? Like, what are those right. small things? So for you, as you approach somebody, like you said, it could be a dude in a suit. It could be a tatted up biker with a Harley thing. Like it could be anybody but you don't know that side of it. You just, you hear things, you sense things, you feel things. What are some small things that you look for or listen for that say, ah, this is good people right here? Yeah. I mean, just uh, like, again, I mean, just what kind of comes out of their mouth, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, especially not at first, just because again, the first is just kind of greetings and whatnot, yeah. but, um, but no, I mean, like there, I like there was there was literally 
and, and, and I, like, I mean this honestly, like there was girls, obviously I, I thought were attractive in seventh grade and had liked for maybe, you know, a year or so. And then after I went blind, like I lost interest in them, man. Like I just, like, it was kind of like, Hey, like, I guess, I guess their personality really wasn't the thing I was looking for. So like, you know, you just kind of not, not that there's anything wrong, but just like you, you really do kind of figure out like what personalities coming, what personality traits are coming from how this person is. So are they more bubbly? Are they more the, the person that's going to, you know, you can hear from across the room that, you know, like that I know is there, or is this, you know, person, you know, going to come up and say hi to me, or is this person, you know, not going to say hi at all to an extent, like just, just things that like, I guess when, when you can't see, you're kind of more, I guess, attracted to are more like, you know, um, not just yeah. attraction and, and, you know, like sexual attraction, but I mean like actual just attraction of like people you, you want to surround yourself with. Like, I definitely probably say I surround myself with people that are more boisterous just because, you know, that's, that's what I'm, I'm going to kind of trend to in a, in a, in a room, right. The, the people I can kind of hear and then pick out. No. Oh, yep. I, I feel that man. That's awesome. So in a past conversation that I heard as I was digging into bit of your journey and some other podcasts and just other places that, that I've navigated. I've heard you and I'll paraphrase this because I want you to respond to this. So the name of the show playmakers, but the sub of that is on purpose. So Jake, our entire community here, we're not about purpose being so much of this distant North star. We're more about how purpose can become a 365 way of life. And so with that, I've heard you say, and again, I'll paraphrase that I didn't want my blindness to take away from meaning and purpose. So talk to us about how you view your purpose and how it connects to not only what you've shared, but just any overall thoughts on how you view purpose. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I can't talk about my purpose, I guess, without talking about my faith, but you know, um, you know, like uh, even if you wanted to kind of take a more secular view on, I mean, it's kind of still runs parallel in the sense that, you know, I think my purpose and on earth is, is much should be for, for everyone, which is just, Hey, how, how do you positively impact people's lives? Like, how do you, how do you make them feel inspired? As you said, you know, breathing. Um, I, I like that Latin definition. If you want to give it again, but breathing is it life into people. Yeah. Breathe life into. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, like, making people feel loved, making people feel accepted, making people feel like they can do what they want to do. I mean, that's really what I, you know, I, I took the mindset that I was going to do what I wanted to do and, and wanted to surround myself with the people. But I mean, there, I still had to find those people and the people that I, you know, were there who, again, were acting on their purpose in life, which is again, what I'm talking about here, which is like, Hey, this, this blind kid wants to play football. Like, do I have time to meet this kid every day in summer? Like, yeah. Like, do I really want to, is it probably convenient for me? No, but my purpose is to show this kid love and support. And so that's what that coach did. And for, because of that, my mm -hmm. life is forever changed. And so, mm -hmm. you know, who, who am I, you know, when am I going to be in my coach's shoes then, you know, where someone's wanting me to help them or wanting me to believe in them or who, whose life can I change by doing that? Um, so, you know, I think that's just, a really uh, thing we have to think about, which is again, you know, what your interactions with people, like you are going to make an impact on someone, you know, like you just by, you know, laws of nature, again, if you, if you want to leave faith out of it, like you, you're going, your interaction with someone is going to leave someone's life change somehow, some mm -hmm. way might be very mm -hmm. small, but it's going to. So like, 
how do you want to change that person's life? Like, are you going to make them smile? Or are you going to make them cry? Um, you know, how, how are you going to leave them one day, either after spending 70 years with them as a friend or a husband or wife, or you're going to spend, you know, two minutes with this person, whatever, like you're going to leave them eventually. And you know, how, how are you going to change your life? And, um, I hope, you know, the challenge for everyone, um, and I encourage is to, you know, leave that positively and, you know, really take kind of a selfless look at that. Um, cause I think, you know, the world is so much of, Hey, what makes me happy? What, what can I get from people? What can I get in this situation? And, you know, th th those questions can be appropriate at times, but, you know, I, I think those questions lead to a lot of emptiness at the end of the day and, and no people doubt. not feeling fulfilled. And that's why they keep asking those questions more and more rather than taking mm -hmm. the office of, you know, how, how can I make an impact on this person? What can I give to this person by interacting with them and, and changing their life? And I think, you know, whenever that day comes, that's what you're going to look back on and, and really appreciate and, and, and feel proud of in life. So good. Well, as somebody, Jake, that my why is to contribute and I define that as igniting impact and making a difference and leaving people in places better than I found them. So you're speaking my love language. That's for sure. Man. So there's <laughs> definitely a little bromance going on. But yeah, I think for all playmakers tuning in, this is the argument of success versus significance. If success is serving yourself, significance is serving others. Most of us spend a lot of our lives chasing success when it's really significance that we should be after. And in turn, success is a natural byproduct. Like, yes, you almost, it is. right? Like they're connected, but it's harder to wrap your mind around chasing significance. So you go there right. and then success becomes the outcome. I love it, man. So as we come down the home stretch, what are you up to nowadays, man? Catch us up on your current life. I, I know I met you through your partners at Engage, so we can certainly tap into that, but just talk to us about the current life of Jake Olson. Yeah. Um, so as you kind of mentioned, you know, uh, started a business in, in college with a couple of buddies of mine um, called Engage. You know, I, I, like you, I, I speak um, and have spoken for a long time sharing my story and it's, you know, just continued to to grow and, um, you know, just be something that I, I'm, again, feel very blessed I get to do. Um, and, you know, talk, kind of just talking about what, we're, what we just talked about, like it, it does feel like it's a purpose of mine to, to go be able to share my story and, and hope that impacts people in a, in a positive way. Um, and so through that, kind of a whole experience throughout high school and, and college of speaking. Um, my partner um, who became my manager wanted to kind of find an easier way. You know, he's a, a Gen Z, right. You know, all about technology. They all, <laughs> they want to find the most efficient technological way of doing things. No, so we're like, hey, no. is, there, is there an easy way where we could just, you know, when people reach out, one, give them a more central way of reaching out because people reach out in the weirdest ways. But um, also like when people reach out like, hey, yeah, why don't you just go through this quick link here, like submit a request and, you know, we, let's figure out, you know, you can, you can know all this stuff besides sending, you know, 20 emails with literally every person that reaches out. Um, and there was really nothing out there that was like that. So that was kind of the, I guess, the genesis of like what, what we kind of wanted to do with Engage. And, um, and so we built this platform, this digital platform that Again, at, at its kind of core, makes the process of booking talent more efficient, um, you know, for speaking mm -hmm. or really for any kind of customizable experience. And, you know, we've done more things now with it. And there's, you know, other aspects and verticals of the business, which is really cool. But um, but really, that's kind of what we built. Um, and so it's it's been a, a really special journey, especially through COVID. You know, we, we like graduated in 2019. We're in this event planning and booking uh, business. And then, you know, all of a sudden there's no events. <laughs> and so, yes. you know, we kind of really had to find out, um, 
you know, a way just to, to make that, you know, turn into a positive. And very fortunately, you know, we were straight out of college. So it's not like we had mortgages or anything, you know, we could kind of live with our parents, not, you know, have to take money from the money we raised to, to do this business, but just kind of keep that on the sideline and, and control. We could control, which is just growing our talent, growing our agency partners, growing our name. Um, and, and then, you know, here we are two years later with so much more talent, like 10 times the amount of talent, 10 times the amount of partnerships and all that stuff. And now events that are back on, you know, we get to kind of reap those rewards of, of taking that, that time and not worrying about making money or booking events, but really just growing the business the way we could. And now we can focus on that stuff. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really turned out beautifully and well. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's, I've majored in business, but let me tell you, I've learned way more actually yes. owning a business and creating a business than I ever did sitting in a classroom. Yeah. Th- this thing called the real world is a great educator. <laughs> it is. It, it, it sure is. <laughs> Oh, I love it, man. Love it. So between speaking uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're, you're darn near a scratch golfer. Yeah. Uh, not quite scratch, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's, All you know, right. um, I've, I've flirted with, with single digit handicap and, you know, probably you definitely feel like I'm, I can get there if, if, you know, been working on a few things. So not playing as much as I wanted to also during COVID, man, that was, that was the game everyone went to. It was like harder, sure. than, harder to find a, a tea time then I don't know what, but it was, it was difficult. So, uh, but yeah, definitely still playing on, on just working hard on golf. And I very much enjoy that and playing on, you know, doing that for the rest of my life, but, um, got a couple other cool, like just ventures going and, um, yeah, really just growing, growing the business, growing kind of personal side of things and, and feel, feel like there's, there's a lot of cool stuff yet to come. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm, thankful that, you know, people like you are, are still very much interested in what I'm doing. And, and, you know, I appreciate that. Of course, man. And by the way, I'm about to ask, where can we find you and follow you? I want all playmakers to absolutely uh, consume as much of your world as they would like to, but I'll tell you this, man, I've been consuming, especially as of late, uh, followed you on Instagram and dude, you, there's just some really cool, fun, like you, you are just, a breath of fresh air, man. So again, you can see the bio and it's look, it's super inspiring and nobody could ever question that, but just the way that you're showing up every day, I I, I think it's very cool. So for all playmakers, before I ask you the grand finale of a question, and it might be a big one, but I want to just get your, your information out there. So where can we find you and follow you going forward? Yeah. Just at Jake Olson 61. Um, and Olson is O L S O N. Um, and you can, you can go on Instagram or Twitter is kind of where I'm mostly, um, mostly active. Uh, and then if you want to go to let's engage, um, you can find me there too. Let's engage.com is, is, you know, our kind of home site and, you know, should, should be able to find me there pretty, pretty easily. I guess if not, then I'm doing a bad job as president of the company. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, you're findable. That's for sure. So for all playmakers and we'll have everything in the show notes. So, uh, yeah, man, whatever part we can do to support you as you go forward, Jake, personally, professionally, we got your back. So here is the grand finale. And this is a big question, but you can go with it, whichever direction you'd like. I honestly have no clue what your answer is. And I'm super stoked to hear it. So given the journey that you've been on already, everything we've talked about from physical, the mental, the emotional, the challenges in life, but just the massive sense of inspiration and positivity, optimism, you've got a jam packed life already. If you could go back, would you change anything? No, um, no, I, 
I'll answer it with, with one of uh, the most brilliant people ever. Uh, Albert Einstein says, you know, there's two ways to look at life. One of as if though nothing is a miracle, miracle and uh, two as if though everything is a miracle. And I really do view everything mm. um, as a miracle that's happened to me and just in life. And I, I think everyone should view that. Cause I mean, that's, that's who makes it who you are and why you're here and, and, and people, you know, and you know, everything, everything really, in my opinion, is a miracle. Um, I'll, quote another person i might not do it perfectly um but another brilliant mind uh mr drake um drake has a lyric and forgetting <laughs> what uh song but he just basically i think it's <sighs> two birds one stone i think it is but basically says that you know if if uh he would go back to feel not to change anything but just to feel a couple things twice and um and mm. i i think i would be right there too you know i i don't think i would change anything man but if i had a time machine i would absolutely just go back just to, just to feel a couple things twice because I mean, literally, is there things you wish went different ways? Heck yeah. I mean, yeah, there's there's tons of things I wish didn't happen or didn't go the way I wanted to, or I wish this happened or that happened. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, it's it's why I'm here and it's who I am uh, because of those things. So, I, you know, it, to change that, um, I, I, I just would think would, you know, would be slapping what I, I have in the face. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful for what I do have in life. Um, and, you know, I never want to take that for granted. Well, to go back to your main man, Albert Einstein here, that everything is a miracle. This conversation, brother, it is absolutely a miracle. I'm so fired up that we are now connected even tighter. Our playmakers are following you and just can't thank you enough from the bottom of our hearts for spending some time with us. Yeah. Thank you, Paul, man. And uh, be, be, don't be a stranger and uh, fight on. Huh? Fight on, baby. Let's go. Another episode in the books. You know the drill. If it added value to your life, subscribe, share, leave a review, and help grow our Playmaker community. For keynote speaking and why coaching, visit paulepsteinspeaks.com. And last call, if you haven't already, take your why discovery now. Pull out your phones and text the word why to 310-564-7857. Again, text the word why to 310 310- Five six four seven eight five seven. Playmakers is proudly produced by Detroit Podcast Studios. Until the next time, dominate the day on purpose.